We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Good morning, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful but yet hot and steamy South St. Louis. <laughs> and I am Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky, yes, still coming from Northfield, Minnesota, and will continue to come from Northfield until you cool it down there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have the parka out yet, though? Oh, no, no, but it's that's the scary thing. Yeah, probably in another few weeks, you'll be needing to wear your heavy clothes up here. Get out the snow so, shovel. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. you'll be moving back to beautiful southern Illinois for that that's uh, winter. Right, right there, back to our home in New Athens. Um, so, Matt, you know, last week we were talking about irreverent babble yes. and Paul's warning that we shouldn't quarrel about words. We started getting but nervous. Sometimes. Sometimes, though, Matt, sometimes things need to be said, I think. You know, I'm not trying to get in an argument with anyone, but I think people need to know that the whole double stuff uh, Oreos, you know, the double stuff oh, Oreos. I am very familiar with the double stuffed Oreos, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, look, here's the thing you need to know. It's actually only 0.1.86. <laughs> it's not double at all. It's just 1.86 of the filling. I am glad you are making wise use of your time in retirement, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I've been taking them apart. I've been, I had the regular Oreos and I had the double stuff. And this is this is the result of like an experiment of like I know, maybe 100 cookies I had to eat. <laughs> so again, I'm not trying to quarrel. I'm just telling you there, Nabisco, you better get on the stick because people are finding out the truth. <laughs> False advertising. You know, you're, you're such a watchdog, right. John. We're proud of you. Yeah, it's like the, uh, yeah. the what was it that you used to, what was your beef to them? The Meyer Minute was on the air and it was like uh, not 90 yeah. seconds. Wasn't that the issue? Yeah, or? yeah, something like that. And Luther now was only 30 minutes. So, yeah, now that I'm retired, I can do more of this kind of consumerism. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> An advocate All for right. the rest of us. Thank you, John. <laughs> if we, That's right. <laughs> if it says double the stuff, I want double the stuff. That's right, not 1.86. That's right. Come on. And they know this too, Matt. Don't <laughs> let them fool you. They know what they're putting They know in. full well. <laughs> that's right. So I think that's enough. No time for yes. <laughs> enough irreverent that's babble. Exactly. Yes, okay. exactly. So where we're, we're, we, are you ready to go on? We're ready to go with, on. With, uh, yes. Yeah, and, and important stuff, not irreverent babble. How do Christians talk to each other? How do we deal with our differences? How are we supposed to handle this? Yeah. Yeah, that's the issue. Yeah. And, and what I what I love too is it's it's really written within the context of the church. So how, how do we talk to each other as Christians? Well, how we talk to anyone is important, but specifically yeah. here, Paul's yeah. How do we talk to each other in the church as Christians? And again, Paul writing, young pastor Timothy, Paul toward the end of his life, uh, pouring his heart out really uh, in the sort of this last will and testament to Timothy. So, and one of the things he thinks is important enough to talk about in his dying words, <laughs> you know, as far as Paul knows is how we use our words, uh, how we talk to one another. Yep. So it's an important thing. Yeah. 
oh, man, I, I like that thought, Matt, you know, because we'd say, oh, that's not important. Come on, Paul, this is your last shot. Tell us what's really crucial. But no, he, he knows because the church is going to struggle with this throughout its whole history. So good, good. You want me to start reading at verse uh, 20 or do you want me yeah, to read some verses sure, before? Sure. Yeah, verse 20 is fine. Verse 20, we get this this interesting picture, this illustration. It's it's sort of unique, I think, to Second Timothy. And well, let's let's read and then kind of unpack it. Now in a great house, which I'm assuming he's talking about the church. Yeah. Now in a now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Uh, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Okay. So like you said, this house, really the church, the house of God. And so the master of the house is is the Lord God, himself, Jesus. is God. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right. And so this, this admonition uh, to be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house. All right. So rather than this, these common vessels, this irreverent babble, um, Instead, especially as as a pastor, but any Christian, but especially as Pastor Timothy here, uh, avoid that. Uh, be set apart for this honorable use in service to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And and I, I want to point out that this phrase in the English, set apart as holy, is actually just one word in the Greek. And so literally it is to be holyfied, <laughs> if I can... <laughs> That's make good. up some yeah, words. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just I think it's interesting because he's not really telling Timothy there's something he needs to do. He's telling Timothy what he needs to be, and that is a man who has been made holy uh, by the master of the house. Right? Who who determines what is the uh, honorable and what is the dishonorable? Uh, it's the master, right? He's yes. the one. And, and I think he's saying, that, remember that. Remember who you are. You are actually those whom God has called his saints. He has set you apart. And probably then we need to behave that way, not as that which is set aside for the dishonorable. Yes. Yeah, great point. I, I love that. Holy-fied. God, the master of the house, is the one that has holy-fied us, so act like it. And, and more specifically here, talk like it. Yeah. yeah. Good. All right. Well, uh, verse 22. Or do you have more, Joe? No, no, Go no, ahead. No. Oh, yeah, because see, it just occurred to me. So, so, And we had that last week. I let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And you've got the same thing here. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable. And so it's interesting that Paul says, as, we, as we're wrestling with how we deal with other Christians, we don't begin by criticizing them. We begin by taking a good, long, hard look at ourselves. That's where you start. You need to be cleansed. You need to depart from iniquity. Or shall I say, I, (laughs) I need to be cleansed. I need to depart from iniquity. And then maybe we can go on and continue our discussion with the Christians who are around us. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's what Jesus says too, right? Uh, Before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, what do you do? Well, take the plank out of your own eye, the beam out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out. So uh, I think that's so important. Self-reflect, repentance, the realization that that I am a sinner before we start pointing out the sins of others. Now now we still point out that sin because we love them and we want to be, be forgiven from it. Uh, but examine ourselves first. And I think, I think it's beautiful. If we do that, 
then I think the words are going to flow. The, the right words will flow out if we begin in the right place. And, and I think you're exactly right that self-reflection, repentance on our part, great starting place. How far do you want me to read now? Man? Well, let's let's go with, with verse 22. And, and I think we get another insight into the personal nature of the letter here. Uh, words specifically for Timothy, especially speaking of his youth. Okay, we see in a number of places, he's probably a younger guy. Uh, but then also, of course, these words apply to us too. So we'll go ahead and uh, begin with about 22 through 26. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Yeah. You know, maybe this should be read before every voters meeting at churches. <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't that be? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. One of my one of my profs, he, he always called the voters meeting the VM. And we asked him, what do you mean by the VM? Well, he means the veiled monster. <laughs> so apparently he'd had some bad experiences in voters meetings. Oh, uh, yeah. I know. And it, what a shame. And, and sometimes... Uh, that's the case. Uh, the church is full of a bunch of sinners. Uh, and sometimes when we gather together, uh, all of a sudden, yeah, we're talking about things that are foolish and ignorant controversies and quarrels that are bred. And, and that comes out. And it's it's sad. And Paul is clearly speaking against that uh, for Timothy, but also for God's people, too. And I, I think as we read on, who's the one who loves that sort of stuff within the church? Well, it's it's. The, the devil, devil, right? Yeah. yeah Paul's clear yep, about yep, that, too. Yep. Uh, the, uh, the snare of the devil, captured by him to do his will. Whoa. So when we misuse our words, we're becoming a tool of the devil, a tool of Satan. I mean, that's a pretty bold thing to say, but yet it's true because Satan wants us to distract us from what is truly important. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing Christ in word and sacrament, telling others the good news evangelism, all those things, and mission and mercy work. Satan wants to distract us from that and instead focus on these quarrels and controversies that are, are meaningless, and yet we can waste so much time and energy and words on just stuff that's that's unimportant. So, again, keep the main thing the main thing here. And I think one of the ways we do that is just being in the Word. If we're in the Word as, as pastor and people, then that keeps the focus where it needs to be. It, it it's reorients us on what's truly important when it comes to life together as God's people. And yes, I'm looking at the language here uh, from the verses before about cleansing and the words about a pure heart. Yeah, we, we well, pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. I think we would confess these are not from us. This does not come out of our uh, flesh, rather, as he says, we're full of youthful passions, even old guys like me. Uh, so, yeah, you're right, Matt. Where, where's this stuff going to come from? Well, it's not going to come from within us. It's not a matter of trying harder. But it is certainly what God gives us through the work of the Holy Spirit, through his word, and, and also through his sacraments as well. Yeah, that word of forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. And then that word of forgiveness, the, the word of, of correction, too, correcting opponents, as he says, with with gentleness, with gentleness. Uh, perhaps, uh, yeah, and it, yeah. 
Yeah. And Go ahead. Go so ahead, then God perhaps would grant them repentance and the knowledge of the truth, uh, coming to their senses. So again, it, as you point out, John, it's the work of God. It's the work of God ultimately. And, and Timothy as pastor might be pointing that out, but God is the one then who works repentance in us so that we might be forgiven, so that we might uh, speak words that, that build up rather than, than tear down. Well, and, and it's interesting, the word for correcting there in the Greek is pideon, which is, is not a word that means to fight or to argue. In fact, he's telling us that's what we don't do. Yes. Uh, but but it is a word that means you're trying to gently lead. Some, what's what you do with children, right? You, you don't fight. Well, maybe you do fight with Noah <laughs> because he's getting <laughs> to that age where he's old enough that he does want to fight with his mom and dad. But, you know, younger children, we don't fight with them, but we do try to lead them to what is right and proper. And, and of course, he emphasizes that, as you said, by uh, piety on your opponents with gentleness. Um, and the other thing I think that is interesting there, you know, the word that it's used there about being captured by the devil? It's interesting because that word in the Greek means to be captured alive. Oh, boy. And, 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 yeah. and I, yeah, I thought that's a good sense. Yeah. So we're not dealing with people that are of the devil, that have turned over to evil and wickedness. No, these people still have life in them. And we're just hoping that by the words of Jesus and his love that will keep they can escape from the snare of the devil. But we're not going to treat them as people that are already dead. Yeah. Uh, we're going to treat them as people that are captured but they're still alive. And as he says, they may come to their senses. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we hope and pray. Yeah. And isn't that the difference, Matt? When, when we quarrel, what we're concerned about is that we win. Yes. Yeah. And that we're right. Uh, but, but no, that's not the attitude. No, we want them to uh, escape and come to their senses and give them repentance that only God can give. And I think that's a great rule of thumb. If, if what we're saying is only out of self-interest and to build us up or for us to, to win the argument, well, then we probably aren't saying the right words. But if what we're saying yeah. is truly out of concern for the other and spoken for their good, well, then, yeah, we're probably on the right track, right? So I think that's a, that's a good, that's a great uh, thing to recognize. If we're just speaking for our own sake or for us to win, well, then eh, we probably need to double check what we're saying and the spirit in which we're saying it. And boy, that brings us back to that whole repentance issue, because Matt, if I think about the various arguments that I've had with other church members or with other people in, in our synod, yeah, often it does fall down to me just wanting to be the right one and winning the debate, which is not at all what uh, the heart and attitude should be. So I confess and pray that the Lord will forgive me for the times that I've done that. Amen. That's where we start. All right. So should we keep keep reading, Matt? Yeah, let's keep going. We're in, we're in chapter 3 now, verse 1, and, and we're talking about the last days. And boy, um, as, as Paul's reflecting on perhaps his last days personally on this earth uh, as he's in prison, uh, also reflecting on the last days for the church, all right? Um, so, so we'll unpack that a little bit. And then also, I think, especially when we get to verse 5... Um, he talks about avoiding a certain type of person. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's wrestle with that a little bit in verse five. So uh, yeah, if you want to read verses one through five. Okay, uh, and and what's scary is as I'm looking over this, man, it's like what's happening right now. Isn't oh my it? goodness, I know. It, yeah, I, you know, this is keep in mind this is written almost two thousand years ago, but it could be written in two thousand nineteen. I, you're you're exactly right. Yeah, but understand this. That in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, dangerous, without self-control 
brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. <laughs> Before we go any further, okay. this this phrase here about ungrateful. Did you see that in the, the news yesterday about the kid who got a brand new BMW and he drove it off the cliff because he wanted a Jaguar? <laughs> oh. Okay, yeah. maybe an extreme example so. of ungratefulness and, <laughs> and maybe hides the fact that all of us are probably not as oh, grateful to goodness. God's gifts as we should be. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah long list of stuff. Reckless, yeah. wallet, swollen yeah. with conceit. What a vivid image that is. <laughs> Lovers of pleasure rather than God. Uh, appearance of godliness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, yeah, it, it, like you said, John, it, it's it's today. Um, huh. But he's talking about the last days, the last days. And the last days will be times of difficulty. And then he describes what, what people are going to be like. So, so the question is then, when are the last days? All right. Um, as Paul's writing this nearly 2,000 years ago. Um, I, one of the verses that came to my mind was Hebrews 1, where it, it pretty familiar words, uh, long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers of old by the prophets. But now in these last days, there's that phrase, he has spoken to us by his son, right? So according, yes. according to Hebrews, when is the last days, according to that verse? Right, right here and now. Yeah. You and, know, I, and will be and always now that Christ has come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Christ is the one who really is ushered in the last days. So we think of Jesus' death, his resurrection, his ascension, and that promised return. Really, ever ever since the ascension and the, then following the day of Pentecost, um, it's the last days. We're we're anticipating the return of Christ. So Paul is writing in the last days. We are still two thousand years later living in the last days. We're one day closer <laughs> each day to Christ's return. So really what, what Paul's writing about describes uh, really the, you know, the world at all times as we anticipate Christ's return in these last days. I don't know if there's a generation that has lived that hasn't uh, been characterized really by this description that Paul gives. You know, that's what I was thinking. So we, today we complain about how bad things are and how far we've gone from the, the, the truth of Scripture and, and the, the, the life of, of a, a proper Christian. And then I'm remembering what I read from Martin Luther, yeah, where he yeah. was saying he just he just couldn't imagine that the world could get any worse. In fact, he thought Jesus has to come yeah. at any moment because I just can't picture the world being any more corrupt than it is. And that was like 500 years ago. Yep. So you're absolutely, and, and I think we need to remember, you know, the only reason the world hasn't come to an end, because we have a God of mercy who hopes that they might come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, and God may grant them repentance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you're right. You can come at any time now because yeah. Jesus has come and we are in the latter days and God grant us all that repentance. Yeah. And maybe it's good that each generation does think, oh boy, it's bad. He's going to come back any time because then we are, we're awake then, uh, hopefully. Yeah. And hopefully, like you said, we, we take advantage of that patience of God and waiting so that we can tell people about Jesus so that when he does return, they can be ready along with us. So maybe it's good that each generation thinks it's the worst because then we have an urgency uh, to, to share the gospel and to be prepared ourselves. Well, and, and don't you think that, that that concern is, again, a gift of the Holy Spirit who convicts the world of sin? 
Uh, I'm thinking back to the story, of course, because it was on my mind. We did it a few weeks ago about Nebuchadnezzar. And that story starts with him being complacent and just saying, hey, everything's right and good. Yeah. And then, of course, comes the vision that things aren't going to be right and good much longer. So, I, yeah, you're, you're probably right. It's probably good that we see that in the world because it will lead us to repentance as well. And as you said, to share uh, the love of God that we know for ourselves with those around us. Give people hope. That's what I hope yeah. we do in this show. Uh, not just idle batter, but uh, uh, that we are giving people hope. So here's something to wrestle with, John. So he has this list of people who are lovers of, of money and, and God, you know, they have the appearance of godliness and so on and so on. And and then he ends by saying, avoid such people. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. how do we deal with that as a Christian? I thought we were supposed to go and make disciples of all nations and share the good news. What I'm supposed to be avoiding bad sinful people? What's the deal? And then and then we read that list and we think, well, that sounds like just about everyone. Do I need to live in a closet or under a bridge somewhere like a troll? What what do I do to avoid such people? What are you talking about, Paul? That's exactly it. Live like a troll. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. For those words of encouragement. That's in the guidance. footnotes somewhere. This yeah. has been wrestling, wrestling with, with the basics. basics. Our last Have fun episode. under the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think obviously the point is is don't be part of that. You know, separate yourself from that kind of stuff, uh, and yet at the same time, always be ready to love and to care and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean that would be my interpretation of that. Let's not let's us not be part of that. Uh, but on the other hand, let us sh show our distinctiveness in the fact that we don't treat people this way, but we treat them with God's love and God's forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's avoid such people so that you, you don't become one of those people, right? Yeah, um, and not yeah. that we're perfect, right? But but we want to avoid that. So it, instead. Um, you know, we want, you know, the, the Proverbs, the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron. There's something to be said about Christian community and, and sharpening each other. I think of Jesus' words, too, in that, that high priestly prayer on our behalf. John 17, he says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. No, but that you keep them from the evil one. OK, so, no, it's we, we need to be in the world. We need to be among those uh, who know Christ, who don't know Christ. Uh, but uh, we want to be kept from the evil one. We don't want to be led into temptation either, all right? So avoid avoid those sorts of things in that sense. But at the same time, yeah, uh, be, be in the world, but not of the world. Maybe that's another way we can put it. I think that's actually the perfect verse, Matt. I think that's the perfect verse. And, and I'm getting the sense that a lot of what Paul teaches, he actually got from Jesus, didn't he? Yeah, I know. When, when, the more you <laughs> He's not Paul, making this stuff up. I know. It's... <laughs> It's not new. Yeah, it's like Paul's just plagiarizing from Jesus, basically. <laughs> I wonder if there'll be a lawsuit, you think? You think Jesus is going to find out? And... <laughs> no, I think Jesus is cool with it. It's okay. <laughs> well, you know, our, our time is starting to wind up here, but in the, the verses that follow, Paul had just given us a sort of a case study with those those two individuals who are stirring up quarrels, and now he's about to give us another little case study with two individuals who um, who had an appearance of godliness, but no, it was just kind of a veneer of godliness, not true godliness. So next time, I think we're going to have to save it for uh, a little talk about Janus and Jambres. And uh, I challenge our listeners to track them down in the Bible and try to find where they're at. Well, you, you've got me intrigued because I'm looking at the next verse and it talks about those who creep into households and capture weak women. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
Paul, what are you talking so, about? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, all, all the more reason to tune in next Saturday for Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the Basics. basics.